In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. What a glorious feast that we celebrate today, this feast of triumph, of our Lord entering in victory into his city, and to be among his people. And his people are gathered around him, and they are singing in joy, singing, Hosanna, Lord have mercy on us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just a few pointers about this gospel this morning. We know from the book of Matthew that it was the children, crowds of children that were coming around Jesus and saying, Hosanna to God in the highest. And then later when Jesus entered the temple, much to the ire of the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests, again, it was the children who said, Hosanna to God in the highest. It was the children praising God. This, along with Jesus riding on a donkey colt, fulfilled the gospel. Because even Jesus noted the prophecies that said, Out of the mouths of babes comes perfect praise. Think about this term. Perfect praise. Perfect praise is the highest praise. It is the most mature praise. It is the purest praise. It is a praise that comes from someone who has a pure heart, whose heart is innocent and harmless, one that is also filled with joy, and someone's heart who is filled when they come and be with their God. Notice it was the children that gave perfect praise. Let us become like these children. If our hearts are not pure, we cannot give perfect praise. But we can always work and have our hearts purified and cleansed and given life so that we, like those children on that day, can give that perfect praise that is most pleasing to God. And then they put out leaves of palm leaves and leaves from the boughs of tree, signs of victory, signs of joy, signs of life, signs of fullness, signs that that truly they are recognizing that God is, that this Jesus is their Messiah, their true God. Many of these people saw other people trying to put on all these external trappings, trying to say that they are powerful, they are the most great. They know the Roman emperor. They knew that even the Roman emperor had the Senate of Rome vote and declare them to be God. Can you imagine a Senate, can you imagine if the Senate today voted to declare not just this president, but any president to be God? I can't imagine that. But this is what they did back then in order to, for the emperor to have everyone say that I am the emperor, you are not, I am in charge, and you must follow me. But you know why these emperors did this? It's because, not because they were really mighty and great and, and without fear, it's because that they were afraid. They were afraid of the people overthrowing them and losing not just their, their ability to rule, but also their ability to stay alive. Contrast that idea with Jesus, the true king, the Lord of lords, the one who says that this emperor can rule and he rules, 
And the, the God who says, this king over there, he can't rule, and then that king falls. The king of kings, the lord of lords, this is who we are commemorating, entering into the, the, the city of Jerusalem, God to, among, to be among his people. But this king of kings and lord of lords is completely different and completely transcendent to the kings of the world. Our Lord and our God has no need. Our Lord and our God has no insecurity. Our Lord and our God does not need our praise. But our Lord and our God accepts our praise because he is kind and gentle and he wants us to be, wants to be with us and these people at this, this beautiful entrance. And we here, either in this church today or, or watching it on the live stream, we too want to be with our Lord and learn to offer this perfect praise. Jesus came not in might and in power, but in meekness. Whoever heard today of a meek king? He came in humility. He came in meekness and humility because true power does not need external trappings. God's words and God's acts and his prophecies and his prophets speak about who God is and God is about his power and about his ability. God, Jesus needed nothing else to show his power. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. That bespoke of his power. He fed thousands by multiplying loaves of bread and fish. That bespoke of his power. His teaching and his wisdom, that bespoke of his wisdom and his power. There is no need for, for Jesus, our God, to have man's affirmations because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is humble. And then he comes riding, not just on a donkey, but we know it says on the colt of a donkey, on a baby donkey. This means it's a donkey that has not been ridden before. It may be a little wild donkey that, that, that has always tried to buck the riders. In fact, a baby donkey, if someone tries to get on that donkey, may very well throw off that rider. But here Jesus, sublime, innocent, peaceful, the creator of all, was able to ride on this donkey colt and go into the city. And the fathers of the church see all kinds of meaning in, this, in Jesus riding on the donkey colt. Donkey Colt, not just the fact that it fulfills the scriptures perfectly. It says in the, in the Gospels today that it was only after the resurrection that his disciples said, Ha, huh, I remember, that, I remember that, God, that, that prophecy that spoke about the real Messiah coming this way. But the, don the fathers of the church say that the, Jesus riding on the donkey fulfills the prophecies, yes, but it also reveals our Lord's simplicity and his sublimity it shows that he is elevated he is above all the cares of the world he in fact he is otherworldly he is heavenly he is more noble than any king of the earth and he is pure and the fathers of the church also say that Jesus riding on the donkey reveals God's condescension for our needs. The donkey, the fathers say, represents mankind. 
No offense. But it represents mankind. And in fact, the young donkey colt represents man's heart. And that, that an unridden donkey uh, images our wildness and our untamedness. And that we are a little bit or a lot out of control. And Jesus, however, though he could, take, could have taken all the marble thrones on earth and sat on any one of those thrones, he decided out of condescension to enter into our hearts, our broken and our polluted hearts, and make that our throne. To sit on this throne that is beneath him, however, he sits on this throne that is beneath him because he loves us and he sees that this throne is redeemable and that it can be made whole again and that we can be made restored to our original beauty, that he will be our God and each one of us will be his people. God still loves us and wants to remake us and save us from the doom of sin. Now, during this time of the coronavirus, we hear on the news and we are hoping and we even prayed in this liturgy here that the doctors and the, and the attendants will be able to cure those who are sick and that the scientists will be able to find a cure for this particular physical ailment that is striking so many people. We spiritually, all, we value the body, and we value health, but we also value spiritual health. And we look for the cure that, is our, that, that can make our sick soul healthy and make us whole again. Jesus is the panacea. He is the cure of all. He is the cure to sickness. He is the cure to sin. He is the cure to death. And this is what we are beginning with this Holy Week, just as today and going through this whole week, ending when we'll sing about his glorious resurrection, that Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lord, he is the resurrection and the life of us all. And may we, during this Holy Week, may we go into it in a deeper way, understanding and participating in each word and each service to learn the good news, to learn about his passion, and to learn about his, the truth of who Jesus Christ is, and that our faith may be increased.